Bonjour and welcome to another episode of Street Focus, an ongoing exploration of urban photography. I'm your host, Valérie Jardin. Today I'm excited to share with you a conversation with London street photographer Walter Rothwell. There is something very distinctive about his work, which really grabbed my attention. It's the tool he uses for some of his street work is actually really unusual and often better suited for landscape photography. He shoots in panoramic format with an Hasselblad X-Pan film camera. So after the conversation, I urge you to go to the show note for this episode and check out some of his work because it's really inspiring and something quite different than what you used to. Walter, welcome. Thank you very much. And thank you for the lovely intro. Oh, well, it's just great. I just, um, I, I always look for things that are different and not only your street work is, is stunning, but the, the, the panoramic shots are so unusual. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, photography, has it been a lifelong passion? Is it your job? Yes, both. Um, started about 20 years ago, um, did a course at college, finished that and r opened a small gallery in London and ran that for a few years with freelancing. And yeah, got a bit tired of the kind of gallery side. So yeah, uh, met my lovely partner and we kind of took off and lived around the world for a few years and now back living in London, um, just pursuing photography again back in London. Okay, so how do you make a living with your photography today? Uh, not very easily. <laughs> Stuff, isn't uh, it? <laughs> no, I mean, the market's turned on its head a bit, so it's a matter of what you can kind of scrape up where you can. It's... Um, It's, there's been fundamental shifts in the market in the last 20 years, and a lot of companies now bought the small jobs in-house and stuff. So I've been uh, concentrating more on the fine art market. And I have an agency in New York which sells limited edition fine art prints, and I try to exhibit and sell and just like, uh, make ends meet where possible. Yes, yeah. and it's sometimes all about diversifying too and, and uh, several yes. different income streams going. So. Great. So street photography, was it your first love or something you kind of fell into later? Um, I, my first love and ambition is uh, documentary photographers. But I think like most documentary photographers, when you don't actually have a documentary to shoot, you kind of end up wandering the streets. Just That's right. You make, your, you make your own. <laughs> That's yeah. Right. So yes. I've been essentially doing that for well, the best part of 25 years now. Yeah. Wow. Um, it's recently kind of become a genre um seemingly identified as street photography in the last um 10 years or so true true but i think it's basically the entire history of photography a lot of it is what you could classify as street photography mm -hmm. um but now it's uh it's gained a kind of new acceptance and it's also like getting new sets of rules and all sorts it's uh, it's quite fun watching it develop but uh yeah i think it's a uh, It's an offshoot of a frustrated documentary photographer. And <laughs> that, that is true. Yeah, that's a good point. And you're right. I mean, it's just uh, really being recognized and and, uh, and appreciated because I think it was underappreciated for a long time. I mean, everybody's seen the work of the great masters, but, you know, th th there is such great work out there. And, and like on social media, for example, street photography doesn't get all the likes and the, you know, as... Mm. 
HDR landscape photography does because it doesn't have the wow factor. People don't always understand it, but I think that is changing. And uh, I mean, look at it now. We street photography has its own podcast. So <laughs> yeah, it doesn't get any higher. That's right. This is fun. So so. Um, so what is your approach in street photography in general? What are what are your trigger subjects? What do you look for when you're out on the street? Uh, light is something that uh, obviously mm-hmm. um, is very, very important to me. And the way it works, I shoot everything on black and white film. So I'm constantly looking for the light and contrast. Also, um, I think a, a picture must have some kind of point. Um, whether it's a point of beauty, a point of interest, or... Humor, just... maybe, too? Yes, yes, absolutely. I think... Um... I see some of that in your work, actually, and, and very subtle. But uh, I, yeah. I like that type of humor, because I, to me, it's not about making ridicule. It's just, you know, the... Uh, yes, I think... I've, yeah, there's a fine line, um, which, uh, unfortunately, I see kind of get crossed more and more as more people are taking it up. A few lessons in... a human dignity could be um, learnt. I think humour is I'm very complimented I think it's the hardest thing um, to really capture in a street photograph if you can capture just a moment. I agree I agree. I actually recently wrote an article about humour and street photography and it's you know respecting your subject and, and uh, it can be and it's it has to be in my opinion it has to be subtle and not not make ridicule but yes yeah, sometimes you see that line crossed and across different cultures can be you know can mean completely different things too so mm. um so but so this humor you're right i feel is one of the most challenging things in street photography um and then you put a Yet another challenge over this in your street photography tell us a little bit about this this camera you shoot with um, the X-Pan, yes, it's a, it's a beautiful camera, but um, I noticed uh, probably about seven or eight years ago, um, I was seeing more and more pictures in what can only be described as panoramic. Um, I said, I'm, don't know if this is anything to do I'm more or less um, half-blind. Um, I don't really see out of my left eye. So I don't know if it's um, constantly kind of scanning from side to side with my right eye makes any difference. But um, I was just noticing there were certain pictures I kept seeing that I could take a wide angle and crop, but being filmed, the quality would just fall to pieces if I did that. And also it's it's all the superfluous information, top and bottom, and I don't like shooting too wide angle on the streets anyway. So, yeah, I kind of came more and more interested in shooting um, panoramic, so I looked around and the Hasselblad seemed to be the best. So I decided to yeah, try and give it a go. Okay, um, so describe that camera for anybody who's never seen it before. Is it is it a really big, bulky camera? Oh. No, I mean, people occasionally mistake it for a Leica. Um, so it's, it's a rangefinder built along those lines. It's wider than a Leica um, by definition. But it also, it shoots in dual format, so it can shoot panoramic and 35 mils so it's a very versatile camera okay it's incredibly robust with a very bad paint job um it's finding a mint one means it probably hasn't been out of the box or used um but it's a it's a carry carry everyday camera i mean it just as soon as i leave the house i just plump it on my shoulder and that's it it's just there okay so but that's a camera that's usually not used for this type of photography it's it's more it's better known for landscapes and such 
Yes, um, I can kind of see why. <laughs> it's a bit of a rod from my back, but it's something I really enjoy, and it's, it's something I've learned to um, to wait for. Okay. Uh, so, so yeah, t tell us what do you? Because not everything will work in that format. I mean, obviously uh, there are times where you need to get close. And so, what when you're on the street with that camera? First of all, is it the only camera you carry, or do you, do you limit yourself to that format, or do you shoot both 35 and the panoramic? Um, I mean, the majority of my street work is shot with a straight knock on F6 and quite a big bulky SLR. Um, the X-Pen, I just, I was looking for something I could carry every day without particularly worrying about it, which was another reason I went for that and not something like the Mamiya 7.2. Um, it's, I mean, it's relatively large. It's about just approaching a kilo, I think. And okay. um, yeah, it's, it's, I didn't want to use a Leica. Okay. Um, for some strange reason, I don't have any prejudice against them. I just uh, never have. But it's uh, it's the same kind of equivalent of just something small and convenient, and it also takes a bashing. But um, it's it's just there, and it's not like an SLR. It's not a huge thing you're conscious of the whole time. But so uh, it's not very conspicuous. No. Okay. Plus. Plus the the paint job gets beaten up, so it looks like a really tatty old camera. <laughs> so you don't look very threatening. <laughs> no, and it doesn't look very attractive to other people. <laughs> so 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 tell me, you so you hit the street with that camera. What? Where do you go? Is there a specific urban landscape that that works best? Um, I mean, obviously you have a lot on each i mean potentially a lot of each side on your uh, of your subject so how do you and sometimes i feel like photographers just have way too much information yeah. in their images so you must be really looking for some specific and i see i i saw your work so it just so it makes so much sense once you see your images that this format is just so fitted for for what you shoot so so tell tell me what do you look for um That's a really difficult one because when I first started, I actually went out looking for um, panoramic street photography um, a few times. And it's um, uh, the film wasters were absolutely huge. It's a really difficult thing to force. So what I've learned is over time, that when just out walking, as I said, it's with me every day. So when I'm just out walking, a lot of the time the pictures will just suddenly, I'll just see them in front of me. Mm -hmm. uh, it sounds a bit fatuous but it's just like oh crikey and i just grab the camera and try and take the picture as soon as possible um there's no real kind of method or conscious like decision making every time behind the work it's uh i just kind of recognize that as a, a panoramic scene it's uh Yeah, you're used to framing in that format so your eyes kind of your vision just You yeah. see in that format, basically, just like when I go out with my my little Fuji, which is a 23 millimeter equivalent to a 35. I know exactly where I have to stand to get the shot and that that's that framing. So so you see that panoramic shot. So you know where you have to stand. It actually goes pretty quickly. You don't have to spend a whole lot of time setting up or you just go. No, I mean, it's a, it's a very slow process. Shooting, uh, it takes me about a month to shoot a roll of film on it. Okay, and how many how many frames in a row? Um, on full panoramic, it's uh, 21 frames in a row. Okay, so you only limit yourself to maybe a shot a day, or um... Um, not even that. I mean, it, 
it really depends on when I've seen. I also carry a small uh, Nikon compact 35 mil with me, uh, the 28 Ti, and that's something that I've learned to use alongside the Hasselblad because it's not always possible to. I also see shots in classic 35 mil, which I need to react very quickly to. And mm. the Hasselblad can be a bit cumbersome for that. But a lot of the panoramic shots are, uh, I don't know, some of them are quite static, um, some of them quite ephemeral. So just describe one, because, I mean, there are people listening to this in their car. They can't just go right to the show notes to to look at some, some samples of the of the work. Describe one or two images that particularly worked well in that, that format that would not have been possible any other way. Um. One of the slightly crueler ironic ones, there was a broken chair with three legs um, sitting in front of a disabled parking bay um, with the disabled along the ground. And it's just behind. And it's just like a play on the three-legged table in the reserved bay. Yes. But it's a very long, thin um, picture, of course, because it's a panoramic. But it kind of has to be because if there was all the top and the bottom in that picture then the it whole would, focus it would, would be, be lost. lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I saw that picture. And it, 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 it works so well. You're right. And it's such a great shot. Um, and I have another one. Um, I was walking across and there was a, a shop window, which was advertising suits. And there was a, there's about six mannequins lined up in a row. And on the last one, there was a man standing in front of the shop window, also in a suit. And he just looked like he blended into the mannequins. So... Again, that was another one. I was walking across the road, and halfway across the road, I had to drag out my camera, and as I was trying to cross the other side, take the picture a couple of times, carry on before he looked up. Yeah, um, and it, yeah, adding the humor to the to the image to and um, try to grab the shot be- the shot before anything changes. Yes, and before you get the excuse me, what are you doing? <laughs> exactly. Do you get a lot of that? No, because I. Um, I'm very quick in what I do. You stay invisible, like every good uh, street photographer. <laughs> yeah. I, I really think um, just being invisible and uh, I think walking slowly is one of the huge arts of street photography when you're actually out really pursuing it. Yes. It's, um, I walk almost half speed to the point where I think some people think I'm probably a bit touched or something. But I, <laughs> You know, it's, it's funny because I'm a very fast walker in general. My family, if we go on a hike, mm. nobody can keep up with me. But when I'm out with my camera, even if my family's with me, I drive them crazy because I, I'm not even half the speed I'm, I usually yeah. am. And uh, yeah, but otherwise you just miss so many things and we're so in tune with what's around us. And you can't walk at the normal speed for sure. And, and uh, yeah, that, <laughs> that's a well, good point. I read a nice comment. I think it was Tony Ray Jones who was saying the other problem with walking fast is if you see the picture and you suddenly stop and like line at the camera, people are aware that you suddenly stopped. True. Because you're walking fast and you if you're going slowly and you can do it in a kind of fluid motion, then you become far less conspicuous and people just kind of accept the fact that you were walking slowly and still going slowly and there's no stopping and drawing attention to yourself. I think it's uh, quite advantageous from that point of view. That's a really, really good point. Yeah, uh, that's, uh, that's one, one more advantage to, uh, to slowing down the pace. So, so besides having to... Is it easy to find film for this camera still? Yes, um, I'm... My two favorite films that I've been using for about 10 years have both been discontinued recently, uh, Fuji Neopan 1600 and 400. So to my absolute crying shame, I had to 
scattered around the country and picked up about the last 300 rolls I could find at the near band 400. Oh, wow. So um, that's kind of reserved for a documentary I've been shooting for many years on that format. So I'm having to learn some other films, which is a bit of a fundamental change because get so used to the way a certain film characteristics and I know what I can do in the darkroom with it and I know when I'm shooting it, how I'm going to print it, etc. And um, suddenly have those characteristics just kind of withdrawn from you. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a gut wrench, but I just, you know, I mean, the whole analog market has had such fundamental shift over the last 10, 15 years that it's uh, adapt or survive, which sounds pretty ironic from an analog point of view. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, although I feel like it's, it, it's making a comeback. I mean, film is definitely not dead. I, I see a lot of my students and um, fellow street photographers who are, you know, shooting film again and picking up some vintage cameras and, and uh, having fun with it. So I think we're, we're, some labs are reopening, so there is hope. <laughs> but you do, your, you do everything. You do your processing, you print. Yeah. Okay, so you do, you do all that. And uh, so you say about a roll a month. So how many rolls would you say you've shot with that camera so far? Uh, just approaching 100. Okay, wow, that's, that's good. So you feel like you've got a good handle on it now. Getting there now. Okay. Now I'm becoming more confident with it. Yeah, I mean, it has taken quite a while because my most of my photographic life I've been shooting with autofocus cameras. Okay. So I made uh, quite a few mistakes in the beginning with completely out of focus pictures, forgetting to focus the camera. So is that is that one of the biggest challenge you feel? Switching from an SLR to a rangefinder. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. the completely different working methodology. Which, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I had to learn. Um, like hyperfocal distance focusing and I didn't have to learn it just had to research and find out what I was doing um and yeah that's wonderful when you set the camera on f8 or 11 corresponds the infinity to that aperture and you got everything from kind of like five feet to infinity covered so that eliminates a lot of the focusing problems um then just the just a different feeling of a a rangefinder took some getting used to as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I made a few mistakes with parallax error early on. Yes. Um, very used to having 100% viewfinder coverage and took a couple of pictures I was really looking forward to in there of a park railing. <laughs> <laughs> Which, so, yeah, it's a learning curve. It is. And, uh, and every, every frame counts, you know, I, I, and that's the beauty of film, I, I, I think. And I always encourage uh, people to slow down and shoot less. I think, um, yes. I think of, um, digital photographers, the digital age, I think, has, has been great to, because the learning curve is so much faster. You have instant gratification, instant feedback. So I think you can mm. learn so much faster. Plus, you don't have the, you know, when we used to shoot film and we go back after a trip with hundreds of rolls at $25 per roll, you know, if you send it to the lab, yep. you you were a little more careful as to what you were, you know, when you were pressing that shutter release. Um, and I think... Now people are a bit sloppy, and, and it's what we call the, the spray and pray approach. And I think mm. that's really a wrong approach to take in photography in general. And I think if you slow down, and even without going to the extreme of picking up, you know, film again, but limiting yourself on any, on any given photo walk to a 36 exposure, pretend you're shooting film with your digital camera, you're gonna, you, have, you have a lot higher rate of success and more keepers than if you just do the machine gun approach. 
Yeah, I think if um, it sounds a bit strange, but if uh, people shooting digital could almost learn to every 35, 36 pictures, print, print them off as a contact sheet and start to look at them that way because I, was, I often wonder how people... I mean, I, I read things like I've limited myself to shooting 500 pictures a day and it's like, good Lord. <laughs> I know. How, how can you possibly edit that? And yeah. When they get home, I'm, people must have hundreds of thousands of pictures sitting on a drive. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's, I don't know how you can possibly go through and appreciate, but this, I mean, it's a bit of a Luddite... But uh, I love contact sheets because, I mean, years later, since I go through, I just pull out, can pull out a random contact sheet, and there are pictures. And the first time I look at the contact sheet, I'm always excited to see certain pictures, so the eye skips over other ones, and I can still find pictures years later. And they also evoke memories and time, and you get a great diversity of uh, different times and places on the. Con- I think there's something very special about contact sheets. And I think if True. modern digital students could learn to just print off the picture. And it sounds like sticking a chimney onto a high-speed train, but um, I just think it would actually help the modern editing process because this kind of shoot, look, whoop-de-doo, it's online for the world to see with, you know, about an hour's consideration. Is yeah. a- or immediately with Wi-Fi on all the new cameras now. Ah, yes. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it is. And, and I feel that... Um, Hopefully, you know, people can, can slow down. And um, and I feel like there is a, a trend towards that. I mean, as more and more people are shooting film, and I think people are also realizing that, you know, the, if they limit themselves a little bit. I mean, I, when I see even on my workshops, the day I tell my students, okay, just put a 50, even if they're shooting DSLR, and most of my workshop students now are shooting mirrorless. Um, I said, just just put, first of all, a 50, because as a street photographer on that big camera, you'll be a lot less conspicuous. So people won't notice you as as much. And then just so limit yourself to a one focal length and then uh, and try to really put a lot of thinking before you press that shutter and not just do, you know, uh, 20 shots of the same subject, hoping that one will, will be good. Because that, first of all, that takes part of the merit away i Mm. believe and it takes part of the fun and you might as well just be shooting video and just video and pick a couple frames here and there (laughs) that turned out you know don't you feel that way yes uh i think there's a a, also a benefit to a i mean this sounds actually completely opposite to what you said but it's uh it's not really uh i think Years ago, I was uh, in India, and I was covering something called the Animal Olympics, and it was the first time I'd really been shooting with um, first journalists using digital cameras. Um, there was a, an event where cows were racing, and we were all photographing. I watched um, a few of the photographers kind of looking at the back of the cameras, almost like shrug their lips and shoulders, like, yeah, that's okay, that's good enough, and like carry on to the next thing. And it was like, well, one of the advantages of film, I think, is you don't know if it's good enough, and you don't know if you got it in the can. That's true. And you actually have to stop and think and work a bit harder. And right. if you really think it's worth it, then try to capture it two or three times. Not in a spray or pray, but... Um, no, really to make sure spray. you have... Uh, yes, to make sure yeah. you, you, you got the shot. Yeah, that's true. true. Get over that Good bitter point. disappointment when you pull the film off the reel and the shot you're really hoping for is garbage um yes that's true yeah uh, and yes that's that's a good point as well but um so do you shoot digital at all or not at all uh not at all really not at all just with your no. phone occasionally or <laughs> no no I, no I don't 
really make phone calls on my camera. So I keep two <laughs> things very separate. That's funny because now the new features on those new phones, it's like, well, does it still make a call? You know, you kind of wonder just because... Somewhere, uh, somewhere in the sub menu. <laughs> that is just not the main feature of a phone anymore. Uh, that That's funny. Now, has it ever happened that you've... Um, You've had this panoramic shot and wished that you had had a different format at the time when you took the shot, where it's like, yeah, well, that didn't work well as a panoramic. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I started carrying a 35mm compact sure. again. Yeah. Um, well, because it, that was starting to crop up as an issue. Sure. There, sure. You can switch it to a 35mm format of a simple switch of a button. Oh, but, that's right. Yeah, that you said that. Um. I don't know. It just doesn't always happen. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've just found it easier to carry a compact as well. Yeah, but, yeah, that's true. And it's small enough camera that you can uh, have one in the bag or one in your pocket as well. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Great. It slips easily into jeans or jacket pockets, yeah. so it's not really a problem. Well, that this has just been great, and I'm uh, I'm urging everyone to just go check out your your, your work because it just, as you said, there there are subjects that work well for that and you stumble upon a situation where really you can only get the shot if you have the right tool and uh, and you see those shots and your images are just really really great I, i really enjoy looking at your work now there are so many other projects you're working on so i'll definitely have you on the show again because you have some really great work in um egypt i believe um uh, some some documentary work that you've um you've been doing over the years and i really want to to share that with with our audience so um thank you walter for Speaking this lovely conversation and um well i'll definitely uh, have you on street focus in the future thank you very much it's been a pleasure thank you and we're at the end of another episode of street focus please head over to thisweekinphoto.com slash street to subscribe to the show and check out Walter's work. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating over on the iTunes because that really helps us out. And then sign up for exclusive TWIP member benefits and discounts by heading over to thisweekinphoto.com slash join. My name is Valérie Jardin, and you've been listening to Street Focus. Now it's time to grab that camera and hit the streets.